This is Breaking Bread with Brilliant Babes. I'm your host, Tatiana Jimenez. We're recording today in my tiny apartment in San Francisco, and our guest joining us today is Julie Manavong. Hello. Hi, thanks so much for being on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. No problem. For any first-time listeners out there, our purpose is to shed some light on everyday people doing brilliant things. I invite them into my home, cook a meal, and then we eat together and chat about their careers and how they got where they are today. Today we're enjoying semi-homemade Carolina barbecue chicken sliders with garlic fries. We're also drinking a couple gin and tonics, in case you hear that throughout the episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's budget season, guys. (laughs) So, Julie, can you start by telling us a little about what you're doing currently and your career history up until this point? Sure. I am currently working at Gap, Inc. as a senior financial analyst, and I support the legal and litigation functions. So, by function, you mean like like departments, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, there's currently about 20 departments that rolls up under legal litigation. That's all the different departments, different areas. So I support the U.S., Mexico, Japan, China, France, Italy, U.K. We have currently about 115 headcount that I also manage. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so this is just you individually in, like, the finance department? Right. Yep. So I work with a team of about six, seven of us, and Mm -hmm. we all support different functions all of HQ functions, so HR, our um, global sustainability department, foundation, exec, board directors, facilities, corporate services, we all roll up under HQ finance. Gotcha. So yeah, when I think of Gap, I think of the individual retail stores or like the outlets. So you guys support the administrative kind of... The corporate functions of the Mm -hmm. world. Yes, it's a different way of thinking about finance because, Mm -hmm. yes, ultimately you would think I work at Gap or Old Navy or, you know, Letta. This Mm -hmm. is corporate HQ. It's a different way of thinking of finance. Cool. So did you go to school for finance? I did not. (laughs) I uh, graduated from St. Cloud State University in Minnesota, originally from Minnesota, I finished my bachelor's degree in psychology. Nice. <laughs> Sisters in psychology. <laughs> nice to have a psychology major on the show. <laughs> right, right. Did nothing with psychology, obviously. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's a bit of that involved, though. I feel like it kind of bleeds into many different jobs. Right. Like, you can use that degree for a lot of different things. Like, I used it for design and mm-hmm. marketing. And so I, I, I imagine there's a facet of what you learned that you're able to apply to your job now? I definitely can leverage that because I just, I'm able to kind of just talk to different types of people Mm -hmm. and not be discouraged. I think a lot of the the stereotype that goes into someone and anyone who's working in finance or Mm -hmm. accounting is that they don't have really good communication skills. Right. They don't have that flexibility to work with different types of people. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I feel like my background in psychology has helped with that. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to kind of leverage that to think about different ways of interpreting data, different strategies and how to persuade people mm-hmm. to do things. Because one business partner is going to think differently and want to see different things and able to be, exactly. to be able to understand their finances. So it, it helps. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, totally. So you got your undergrad degree in psychology. So then how did you decide, you know, after you graduated that you wanted to go into finance? I didn't. Okay. It just, it just <laughs> fell in my lap, to be honest. Yeah. I had a background always in um, the banking industry. So okay. when I was in high school, when I was an undergrad, I worked at a credit union or a bank okay. as a teller. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just my means of you know, funding any of the other things that I would need for school. Mm-hmm. And then when I came out to San Francisco, it was just easy for me to start at a credit union and be able to do what I was doing before. Didn't think I was ever going to get in finance because it just didn't interest me at that time. Yeah. So did you move to San Francisco to go to grad school or why did you move? Why did you do the move from, or do you not want to talk about this? <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about this. I don't know we this can. part of the story. <laughs> Okay. It was for love. Okay. Slash okay. grad school. I think um, everyone comes to San Francisco to find love at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just, just to like make a change. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen. So you're working at a credit union and then you're also thinking about grad school. Like what were you thinking about studying in grad school? I wanted to pursue psychology at a very high level of interest in sleep psychology Mm -hmm. just because I was always into like dream interpretation and understanding the way people sleep and if people had problems just Mm -hmm. trying to work them through that I had a very high interest in that and actually when I was in undergrad I I worked as an intern studying that Mm -hmm. with my professor at that time I just didn't have any background in it so it was hard for me to get into grad school in psychology Mm -hmm. so when I was at the credit union, I had the opportunity to move from what I was doing, which I started as a teller, to the accounting department as a, you know, just someone's entry-level position working with um, accounts payable. Okay. Um, and I grew to, like, the atmosphere and, mm-hmm. and what I was doing. So that's what ultimately led me to pursue my grad degree in finance. Wow. Okay. Very cool. So just out of my own curiosity, since I'm like, what I do is totally not in that area. Mm-hmm. Like what, how would you explain the difference between accounting and a financial analyst? Right. Okay. For me, I feel like accounting, or I know that accounting looks at more of the past, right? They're trying to make mm-hmm. sense of what has happened. My role right now as a finance analyst is I make sense of what has happened, but I also have that connection and that communication with my business partners to understand what is happening currently to be able to help them make business decisions in the future. Mm. So okay. I think that's the key right there is that mm-hmm. I'm helping them understand their finances and what's going on in their world mm-hmm. to be able to make important decisions. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful because, yeah, I mean, just like you guys right now where I work, we are also in budgeting season. And so this is like predicting how much we're <laughs> going to need to have in our budget for next year. And it's it's very, it's exciting, but it's also scary because you're like, what if I'm not like allocating enough funds for this thing that we want to do? Right. So. And that's, that's my role exactly. I'm in uh-huh. budget, in the middle budget. We're almost done with it. Mm-hmm. So I understand your pain, but... Yeah. That is pretty much the bulk of what we do during budgeting is understanding trends, mm-hmm. being able to say, hey, um, I see this going up or increasing in the last two mm-hmm. years. Is mm-hmm. it a risk? Is it an opportunity to save money? Are we, yeah. you know, is our contracts expiring where we can we look at this mm-hmm. and work to save some money? Ultimately, yeah. it's just really understanding what's going on. Mm-hmm. 
Awesome. So I, even though you said that this kind of fell into your lap, it sounds like you've been working at this for a while and you did work hard to get where you are. When was the moment that you felt that you really broke into your role and has that happened yet? I honestly, the, the time that I probably felt like I had a breakthrough was when I made the transition from the credit union mm-hmm. to Gap Inc. Okay. It was the first time I was able to to, I feel, break out of my comfort zone, right? Because mm. so. mm-hmm. you were there for a while. I was at the credit union for about almost five years. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. about five years, and now I've been at Gap for about two and a half. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So you, you felt that you broke into your role when you went over to Gap. Right. Because okay. I was just, I felt like I was leaving the nest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, you're a little birdie, mm-hmm. just out on your <laughs> own. Um, so in this time or throughout your career or in your life, did you have a mentor and are you a mentor to others? So when I first started at Gap Inc., I was I was so lost. It went from a company of 100 employees to now thousands of employees. Things worked differently. There was so many different people supporting different things and it it just didn't it wasn't clear to me Mm -hmm. my boss at the time was someone I felt like I I just was very intimidated by right I just didn't know what I was doing it was a new completely new role Mm -hmm. I was doing accounting work now I'm doing finance work and I just have my degree that I'm leveraging but Mm -hmm. until you actually do the things that you're supposed to do every day I mean it was just theories I was applying Exactly. Um, yeah. So I felt like I didn't, I didn't belong there, and mm. it took a few months to break out of that shell. And what I ultimately learned, and from my boss, was that I just had to, I had to break out of that shell. I had to ask the right questions. I had to ask questions and mm-hmm. just be curious and not be intimidated by what I, you know, what I see. Because there's mm-hmm. a reason why I took the position. There's a reason why I'm qualified for it. I just had mm-hmm. to believe in it myself. Yeah. So my mentor, a great mentor, was my first boss at Gap Inc. Mm-hmm. Um, am I a mentor to others now? I, I was, I think, when I co-led Asia. Mm-hmm. So I was involved in our diversity and inclusion group there, which Gap Inc. is a big, big supporter of. But Asia, so stands for Asian Supporting Inclusion Awareness. Mm-hmm. We just believed in educating you know, people about different issues going on, but just you know, making sure that we had that support. I, I could I could say that I I attended an Asia event <laughs> even though you I am did. not Asian American. <laughs> you were there to support me. Is yeah. that yeah, you were it there was, to support it was me. great. But yeah, I saw it as a really great a really great group in, that where you I think it was like Gap and then similar groups right. from other tech companies. We were networking. Yeah, it networking so it's event. a really yeah. good network event. And then, yeah, I just saw it as a great, like, just like support group, I guess, just to just network and meet new people. <laughs> there are a lot of people fresh out of college there. Yeah. And so that was really cool. Everyone was just like super welcoming and nice. And I got a discount at Banana Republic. <laughs> <laughs> she <So>. did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably the hardest thing ever to be a mentor mm-hmm. to people that I didn't directly manage. Mm. So okay. Asia had core, core members of about 10 people. Mm. And these people worked in different areas of the company, but they all supported and believed in being, you know, in this group. Mm-hmm. 
but it was the hardest thing I could ever done. I don't know if that qualifies as being a mentor. Yeah. Um, but it it was a lot of trying to figure out why people even wanted to be involved in Asia mm-hmm. because this is outside of what they normally would do. This mm-hmm. is all volunteers. So whether mm-hmm. or not they wanted to network, get to know people around the area that also believed in diversity and inclusion and the issues we were involved in or mm-hmm. or if they just wanted to, you know, just find comfort outside and, and, and network mm-hmm. of people who were outside their group to just yeah. kind of familiarize with mm-hmm. being in the company and belonging. Yeah. That's what we supported. But it was a matter of trying to figure out why they wanted to be there and cater to, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that, that they met, you know, their mm-hmm. needs were met. Yeah. That's so. great. positive things what what was your biggest career obstacle so far slash shittiest moment (laughs) that's funny I think I'm in it right now (laughs) (laughs) I recently got promoted about seven months ago and I have to say this is probably the hardest thing I've ever done Mm. I support legal litigation and they are a really tough crowd I would think so um (laughs) yes and um Coming from, so I used to support facilities and corporate services, and not that they weren't a tough crowd, it was mm-hmm. just, they were more concerned and high-level detail. There was just a certain way that I would communicate with them, and it was mm-hmm. fine. It worked, and what I, you know, what worked for them had worked previously in my roles before. Mm-hmm. What I've came across with is that now that doesn't work. Like the way I was communicating with my business partners did not work for this function. Mm. So I've struggled with trying to figure out how I can relay what I know to them. And these people have been in their positions for a very long time. So they're also, you know, you can't, there's nothing that will go unnoticed with them. And they're just very particular. So Mm -hmm. they have a very detailed way of wanting to know their finances, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. That keeps me on my toes, and that just mm-hmm. makes me feel like I have a lot more to do mm-hmm. to improve. Yeah. yeah. Um, not only that, but legal litigation, that's just one part. The other part is I also consolidate all the finances and roll-ups for all of HQ function to corporate fp What does fp mean? Financial planning and analysis. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but... Rolling up the summary is not an easy task because what would have been my peers are now really ultimately my business partners. I have mm. to make sure that they do their job in order for me to do my job. So if one person's lagging because they don't have the right information from their business partners and their mm-hmm. functions, it delays my response and my time to be able to get things done for okay. my deadlines. So. Gotcha. I've had to not only work with my business partners, my the legal team, but my business partners are also my peers. Mm-hmm. So it's been a challenge. Yeah, that's pretty stressful. Well, counter to that, what was your biggest opportunity slash best moment? I would say that would be now as well. Okay. <laughs> Shittiest times. Like I've had really long hours in my role. I've had really tough feedback, mm-hmm. but that is very much appreciated on my end Mm -hmm. because it just makes me work a little bit harder. It also makes me understand what I need to do to improve. I am not bored in this role. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, I just, I 
I keep learning and mm-hmm. I think ultimately although it's a very tough position to be in it's also probably the most opportunity and space to grow yeah so okay. cool <laughs> so you feel like at gap that you have room to grow like you haven't hit or like it isn't difficult to like move up there no, I felt definitely I've been growing and I continue mm-hmm. to grow there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Cool. Well, on this show, I also like to highlight what I call hidden talents. So things that are significant to our lives that we might not add to our resumes or are necessarily work-related. So Julie earlier told us that she's not talented. <laughs> we beg to differ, but we did learn that Julie is very much into hiking. I am, yes. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So when you're not uh, crunching the numbers. When I'm not crunching the numbers, I am outside enjoying the outdoors. I hike whenever I can. I hike alone, I hike with people. I just went a hike maybe two weeks ago in, in South Lake Tahoe. But my biggest experience hiking would be last year when I hiked a four day trek to Machu Picchu. Oh my gosh. It was the first time I hiked Machu Picchu. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say I've done it <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. So that was like a backpacking experience. Oh my then, gosh. Right? So you had to bring everything with you? We brought, so we had a limitation of like, they gave us two bags limitations Mm -hmm. the first bag had to be about keep it under 60 pounds Mm -hmm. we didn't carry that we actually so going through this program we had to go there with people who knew the trail very Mm -hmm. well okay we because there was only certain permits that were permitted you know on this um the trail it's like organized because it sounds kind of scary oh it was scary i mean thank god i didn't have to carry the 60 pound bag but Mm -hmm. we had that which Thankfully, the uh, the people organizing the event carried that for us, and then we had our small camelbacks, mm. which were only you know water and and you know snacks. Mm. But we did that, and it was the most intense thing I've done, minus wow. this job. <laughs> but I survived it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's amazing. So I guess in the so you live in San Francisco. So what would you say a good place to hike in the Bay Area would be that you would recommend? <laughs> a hike to the bar <laughs> have you been on california street just hike up that <laughs> that's a great hike um no okay so my friend always makes fun of me but so there's very limited places to hike really in the city to get the vibe like a, a really a hiking experience that you want mm-hmm. right so when my friends are visiting, I always take them to Land's End mm-hmm. because it's just very beautiful. It's 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 not a trek, but yeah. they get the sight of being on the coast mm-hmm. and being in San Francisco. Yeah. But my to-go-to-hike is, I think it's called, it's in Pacifica. Maury Point is my favorite to-go-to-hike, and that's in Pacifica. I used cool. to do that alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. I love a good solo hike. JK, I don't do solo hikes, but it sounds fun. I should try it sometime. <laughs> I do solo runs. That's like as close as I yeah, get. Yeah, that's probably close. I can't yeah. do solo runs. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to the listener question portion okay. of the interview. So the first one that we have is, 
What does a typical day or week look like for a financial analyst? Oh my God, it varies. Okay. Because we have a a calendar for each month and each mm-hmm. week is different. Okay. So right now we have, we're on a five week month. Mm-hmm. So right now we're in the midst of budget, to be honest, mm-hmm. and we're submitting budget next Monday to the brands. But next week will be forecast week. Mm-hmm. So I'll be meeting with my business partners to get updates for the for the month. Mm-hmm. The next week would then be close week. So it, mm-hmm. it, it really varies, but each week is different depending on what needs to be done. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So next question we have is, what is your favorite part of your job or thing about your job? I think interacting with my business partners are my okay. favorite because being in finance accounting, I, I feel like you... There are a lot of reports that we need to do. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly just by your lonesome <laughs> doing your reports. My favorite part of it is really getting to know my business partners, interacting with them, figuring out what their world looks like, how that impacts me, and um, gaining their trust that way. Mm-hmm. Because it's not enough that you have the interaction with your business partners. It's that you have to be able to be reliable and mm-hmm. be accurate for them to be able to trust you and what you do. That I feel like is key to success in, in your forecast mm-hmm. as well as like just maintaining a good relationship with them. Cause you cool. may not have that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's my favorite part. Okay. So what are some tangible ways that you see your analysis impacting your company? Oh, in in a lot of ways, I mean, mm-hmm. In my prior role, it was figuring out if we need to buy a new corporate jet. Mm-hmm. You know, that was figuring out what our market, you know, value is on the current jet and what a new jet would cost. What was the average amount of days that a jet, like what we're looking for, stays mm-hmm. on the market? It, how many is out there in the U.S. versus mm-hmm. international? Or it could be just as simple as, hey, we're going over our temp expenses for the year and we're only halfway through. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, understanding mm-hmm. that. Is it the number of volume of, you know, for example, I used to support um, events, but is there a number of volume of events going up? And yeah. it's just really honing down on the details. Yeah. Because some business partners will understand what's going on and it may make sense to them. Some business partners that I worked with do not have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. So they could be managing five, six different buildings in the U.S. and they don't have time to know if, you know, what's going on in this. So it's, it's really my job to really shine that light to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Keep everyone in check. <laughs> this next question is, a financial analyst seems like a job that every company needs. Since you could potentially work anywhere, what is something you look for in a potential employer? The culture is really key to why I would stay or where I would go. Mm-hmm. It's not an, yeah, yes, this job you can do anywhere, which is great. It's it's really a benefit to me. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, the questions to me is what are their values and does that value fit with what I'm looking for? Okay. And why do people stay? Mm-hmm. I mean, at some companies they may stay two to three years. At other companies, like Gap, people stay there for multiple, over 10 years, 15 oh, years. Wow. And it's, okay. it's why, you know? Mm-hmm. And it comes down to, hey, this is home. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't, um, I felt like I've, I've maybe, you know, worked in different areas and it just, 
I kept growing or, yeah. you know, I believe in, in just doing more than making clothes and they're involved in different mm-hmm. groups that Gap has. But mm-hmm. it's, it really comes down to the culture and, yeah. and their investment in their employees. Okay. So. Great. Well, how do you, you've talked a little bit about hiking and ex, like extreme hiking, but <laughs> how do you maintain a good work-life balance? <laughs> It's been tough lately because we are in the midst of budget, but mm-hmm. I try to fit. So when I was at, involved in Asia, we mm-hmm. would have networking events where we would go like maybe after work or, you know, like maybe once a quarter that we would go and, you know, do different things together. Mm-hmm. That to me felt like it was work-life balance, right? Because although I was yeah. involved with people in the organization, we weren't working and, and there just in volunteer hours. I also, as much as I can, really, I also like to wind down and make sure I schedule mm-hmm. time for myself to kind yeah. of, you know, relieve myself from all the stress that's going on. And I heard that as wind down. <laughs> <laughs> wind down. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh-huh. She so. says as she grabs her gin and tonic. <laughs> I definitely try to wind down or gin and tonic down as much as I can. Uh, (laughs) It's it's important. Um, Yeah, you got to treat yourself. Um, So that that kind of leads into the next question, not the drinking part, but the Asia part. Um, So this this listener asks, tell us about your work with the Asia group. So I guess what made you want to pursue working with that organization? So do you want to talk about that? I mean, I know you've already talked about it, but I guess what made you want to join the group? Right. So I guess a couple things. One being, I think the most important reason of why I wanted to even be involved in Asia was that I didn't know so much about my culture. Mm. So both parents are from Laos, born in Laos. Dad is Laotian and Vietnamese, but growing up, I was a first generation, firstborn as well. It was very tough for me to identify myself as an Asian American. I remember going into kindergarten and mm-hmm. coming home and telling my mom that, hey, someone asked me if I was Chinese. I am, right? My oh mom my looked at me, she laughed. She's like, you're not Chinese, uh-huh. you're Laotian. I didn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. Did not know the difference. Mm-hmm. That to me was like a challenge Um, right in the get-go was like self-identity so to me it was more of a personal thing at first right it was trying to understand and trying to figure out a way to learn my culture Mm -hmm. I was approached by my great mentor Mm -hmm. uh, my first boss at Gap and he had given me this opportunity because one of the co-leaders was stepping down from Asia Mm -hmm. and the opportunity was actually presented to him they asked him if he wanted to co-lead Asia and he says you know what that's that's great, but it's not for me. I know mm-hmm. someone who actually would be very interested in taking it on, on this role. Mm-hmm. She's not a manager, but hear me out. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I just was like, this is a big task. I don't know if I can do this. And I took it on as, hey, I'm also new to the company. This is a great way to meet people and to be exposed to different things. Mm-hmm. Not only was I in charge or in managing our 10 core members of Asia, I was exposed to meetings every month in diversity and inclusion. Like Mm -hmm. I was learning about what the company was doing new to improve their area there. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I met with other leaders of different groups. Asia Mm -hmm. is just one of them. We have other 
other groups that people are involved in. So it was that exposure that ultimately then made me stay there and co-led as long as I did. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. And then I guess just out of my own curiosity, like here in the Bay Area, you, you mentioned that your classmate thought you were Chinese. There, <laughs> I mean, we have a large Chinese population guys, here in San Francisco. You guys do. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, like, do you do you see as much um, like Southeast Asian representation at Gap or like in your group? You know, it's very interesting because this is this topic is in, brought up a lot, mm-hmm. but there is a large amount of Asian employees at Gap. Mm. Why is it then that there's only ten core members? Mm. You know, there's I get it. It may be the work life balance, and maybe people yeah. work long hours and mm-hmm. they don't have time to devote outside of their working hours, you know, and volunteer. But we do have a large population, and but we don't have a lot of involvement as we want mm-hmm. to. Yeah. And to be quite frank, I don't know there's a big Southeast Asian population in the company. Mm-hmm. Well, good for you, representing. <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. So the the next question is a question we'd like to ask our guests. And this is a legacy question that was asked originally by listener Judy Fu. Ooh, hi, Judy. So, <laughs> so if you Happy belated, yeah, right? <laughs> it was just Judy's birthday. So if you weren't working as a financial analyst, what other types of work would you be interested in? I love traveling. Mm-hmm. By, like, if... That's also, I guess, work-life balance. And whenever yeah. I can get the chance, I travel. Mm-hmm. Whether it's just going back home, visiting family in Minnesota, or, hey, like, going to Peru last year and hiking mm-hmm. Machu Picchu. But my ideal dream job would be a journalist. Like, I would travel and just journal everything that I mm-hmm. saw, the people that I, you know, encounter, the the climate, the market, everything. Like, I mm-hmm. would journal that, and that would be my ideal job. That would be awesome. <laughs> so lastly, what are you looking forward to this week? And it doesn't have to be work-related. <laughs> I'm going to talk about work because it's been oh, a really okay. tough week. <laughs> okay. But I am so excited for budgeting to be done. Okay. We are very down to the wire. We're almost done. Friday, we should have a really good spot. Monday is our first submission for budget pass. I'm really looking forward to that being over with. Yeah. It's my first time in this role and doing the budget for legal uh-huh. it's really it's really challenged me in a lot of ways to understand their budgets in different areas and different drivers of their numbers that's one the second part is just being able to work with my peers and understanding their budgets since yeah. ultimately i'm rolling that up to corporate fpna Mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that's <laughs> exciting. So, Julie, is there anything that you would like to plug or any resources or anything you want to talk about? Like whether it's related to your studies or finance or even travel? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give a shout out to my mom? Yes, of course. <laughs> no, um... Uh, no, I don't think I have anything. Okay, well, hi, Julie's mom. Hi, Julie's mom. <laughs> I'm going to have to teach her how to, she can, like, subscribe to the podcast, yes, yeah. where to find it on an iPhone, uh, and, okay. Yep. Um, All the no. good stuff. Tell her to give us a five-star rating <laughs> in the I iTunes store. <laughs> so, can people follow you on Instagram? Yes. <laughs> yes, they can. There's no Excel spreadsheets on there, or... <laughs> 
uh, new ways to calculate, I don't know, cost of sales, but, mm-hmm. okay. but <laughs> there'll there... be pictures of my hiking adventures. That's pretty cool. <laughs> there are fellow hikers out there who might like to learn about your, you know, your secret places that you go hiking. So, um, cool. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me guys. <laughs> Again, especially during like budgeting season. This is, uh, this is very nice of you. No problem. This is like my work-life balance. Yes. This is her winding down. (laughs) Thank you. So to learn more about Julie and other topics we've covered on this episode, head over to our website, brilliantbabespodcast.com, where you can also listen to previous episodes, check out our event calendar, and get the recipes for the dishes we make for each episode. Today's recipe was semi-homemade Carolina barbecue chicken sliders and garlic fries. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and stay tuned for episodes every other Tuesday. Take care, everyone.